Let's call everyone in the foyer back into the the room. There they have the word. Okay. This is the probably the hardest aspect of being a, in this role as a teacher, bringing people back. We get special training, you know, <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> I think we didn't ask, but uh, if you could turn, make sure your uh, cell phones are in airplane mode. Uh, that's helpful because if they're on, it actually will interfere with the recording. I found that out once when uh, I was doing a retreat with a co-teacher and we were using a cell phone for timing and the uh, uh, the cell phone was was on, and it was about four feet away from this recorder, actually. And the, when you uh, when one listened to the recording, about every three minutes there was a sound, <laughs> which is actually the cell phone searching, you know, trying to connect, I guess, with the tower or whatever to get messages. So. I think we're ready. Well, tomorrow in this country, we have uh, Thanksgiving. And I want to give a Thanksgiving-related talk and exploration around the further development for us of the practices of generosity and gratitude and want to particularly invite our practices in the next period of time of the cultivation of these qualities. And they're quite central in the classical teachings of the Buddha. Some of you may maybe know that the word that we use for, that we translate by generosity is dana, and that's at the beginning of the list of the 10 qualities that one develops on the way to becoming awake, right? And sometimes, I think quite often, in the Western development of Buddhist practice, we focus a lot on meditation. You know, in many ways, uh, not fully emphasizing a lot of these other qualities that are more about how we relate to ourselves and the flow of daily life, how we relate to others. And so these two themes can really help us to, you know, kind of fill out our practices so that it's, so that the meditation, of course, very central, but maybe not as much the center as we might think. So that's what, that's what I want to explore. And of course, um, Thanksgiving is what we might call a complex holiday. <laughs> I was reflecting this morning, I think maybe all of our holidays are complex, right? But it's certainly complex. It has certain positive qualities. You know, for me, they're the relatively non-commercial nature, the really the connection of people, the emphasizing of often of generosity and gratitude. And of course, there's a fairly large shadow around Thanksgiving related to the um, you know, near genocide of Native Americans. We, we know that. And in fact, there was an article uh, just in today's San Francisco Chronicle, which is that the uh, Native people around Plymouth in Massachusetts, they have for the last 50 years 
had uh, Thanksgiving as a, what they call a national day of mourning. So I'll come back to that, but, but just uh, that's, again, the kind of the complex quality of, uh, of this holiday, which has a lot of very positive aspects to it. So generosity and gratitude are actually closely related. And uh, it's interesting to see that, that generally we offer gratitude because we've received generosity, you know, from, from different sources. This is from a Zen teacher named Steve Stuckey, who uh, taught at uh, San Francisco Zen Center. He said, the spirit of giving is based on a feeling of gratitude, of being deeply thankful for the ability to give and to receive, to be freely willing to participate in this reciprocal turning of life energy. And then this is from the Buddha. Also makes a very strong connection between uh, generosity and gratitude. These two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? We could have an interesting time exploring what's hard to find. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. These two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness and the one who is grateful and thankful for the kindness done. And generally, the, the cultivation of these two qualities is really related to the core dynamic of our practice, that we are uh, developing qualities of kindness, of a good heart, of wisdom, of skillful action. And we're also cutting through Greed, hatred, and delusion. That's a very traditional formula for understanding our practice. We cultivate the, those beautiful qualities and we also work through the ways that our conditioning uh, has us with habits that lead us to grasping and greed, to hatred and you know, reactivity pushing away, and to the delusion which is underneath all of that. And so the, these practices will, you know, we can see in a pretty clear way how these practices go against some of that conditioning, that generosity can go against the tendencies to greed and self-centeredness and wanting everything for myself. Uh, the gratitude can also be seen as going against tendencies to aversion or tendencies towards what we call the negativity bias. That a lot of us may focus on the negative a lot. And gratitude is a beautiful practice for uh, tempering that tendency, which is strong in all of us. And neuroscientists say quite strong in the brain. We, we are scanning you know, for danger and problems and so forth. And, and we often don't tune in to what's beautiful and positive. So gratitude can be a beautiful practice in that way. And then we also, you know, can look into how the, the uh, grasping and the pushing away, the hatred, the reactivity, can be connected with ways we don't see clearly. The ways that we, you know, in the, in the traditional model, it's that we are conditioned to think that happiness comes from grasping after what we want and pushing away what we don't want. And certain kinds of happiness can come from that, but not doesn't go very deep, right? And so that and so generosity and gratitude can really find a place in this larger sense of practice. So I want to explore this some um, both as an individual practice and some in terms of how this also can be uh, uh, a relational, a social practice, even a cultural practice. That you know, want, we're wanting to develop more of a culture of a culture of generosity and gratitude. How do we do that?
So I mentioned that I'll, I'll talk first about generosity and practicing, and then about gratitude and practicing that. Then we'll have some time to talk together. So I mentioned that uh, generosity is actually, the, in the Pali language, it's dana, D-A-N-A. And it is uh, one of the ten core qualities to be developed. It's on the list. You know, uh, the list called the paramis, or the paramitas, sometimes translated as the perfections or the core virtues. And the other ones that are developed include uh, ethical integrity, uh, renunciation, wisdom, energy, uh, patience, truthfulness, determination, loving kindness, and equanimity. Would you like to have all of those qualities? Would you like your neighbors to have them? Would you like our leaders to have them? Okay. We start with the small, work up to the big. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, so these are, these are wonderful practices. And in fact, interesting that generosity is at the beginning. It's foundational in many ways. That developing a kind heart, a generous heart, is seen to be something that one does as a basis for further spiritual development, we might say, further, further development. Um, in the Buddhist tradition, when the Buddha was giving talks on uh, the entire sense of the path of practice, he would typically talk about generosity first. He would go there before talking about meditation or other qualities. He would talk first about generosity. And it's also very, very central to, to other traditions. You know, in the uh, Jewish tradition, one is really invited to give 10% of one's income to others. It's called sedika or charity. And the, the etymological roots of the word are connected with words that have to do with justice. So it's interesting. Listen for the, you know, the, the, the words related to, to generosity and the importance. It's something that, again, we tend to uh, not have as so central. You know, meditation is often the center in our practice. In the Christian tradition, uh, there's also a very strong place for the word that um, we now use as charity comes from the Latin word charitas, which is actually a translation of agape from the Greek. Some of you know that word. It basically means unconditional love. And so the word that's connected with generosity in Christian tradition is very much connected with a deep sense of Love for all, right? That's, that's where the word comes from. And something very similar in the Islamic tradition. Uh, in the Islamic tradition, there are five pillars of practice. One of the five pillars is called zakat. That's the word which we would translate as charity or giving. It's one of the five pillars of practice. The, the etymological root is connected with purification. So you can see that this isn't just about, this isn't just uh, an afterthought, right? But it's actually taken to be something which works with inner, uh, inner development on a, in, a, in a fairly deep way, connected with love, justice, righteousness, purification of the self. Not a small thing, right? Not, a, not an afterthought. This is from... Uh, Desmond Tutu talking about the, uh, the indigenous African notion that's related to generosity. He says, in the African understanding of Ubuntu, our humility and generosity come from realizing that we could not be alive, could, nor could we accomplish anything without the support, love, and generosity of all the people who helped us to become who we are today. And so you can find that in, in multiple traditions. And again, a, a, very, a very moving quality. I think that culturally, 
uh, it's may may it's 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 often central in the sense of individual giving. I think it's pretty strong in this in this culture, and I think at times maybe it's even been more. I, I have I I was I remember very clearly an experience when when I was in my early twenties. Uh, my brother and I, our family had some land in the uh, mountains of Virginia. My family is from the East Coast. And they were living in um, initially Washington, D.C., that area, then Richmond, Virginia. And we had, we had uh, bought some land in the mountains in, uh, on the West Virginia, Virginia border. And we were, my brother and I wanted to build a cabin. And we actually were able to do that and we didn't have to buy anything for the cabin except for the uh, materials for the roof. People in the area gave us all the wood we needed. They took down buildings that they didn't think they needed. They gave us windows, they gave us buildings, and it was uh, it's a little bit, it was a little bit then, this was like the, 1970s, it was a little bit like the, the 19th century there, right? People, it was very self-contained, but there was enormous spirit of generosity. When people used to, maybe some of you know this in some parts of the country, when we used, people used to drive there, uh, every, every pun who came by when I was driving, they would wave, right? There was a sense of connection and generosity that was very, very widespread. How many of you know that in some communities you've been part of? Yeah. So you can can have that. I think that's probably our deeper nature. We can ask, how do we move away from that? Right? What are the factors? You know, and we can point to them. Maybe more individualism, uh, you know, ways that we have um, lost aspects of community in many ways. This is from a uh, Catholic scholar named John O'Donohue. He said, a generous heart is never lonesome. A generous heart has luck. The lonesomeness of contemporary life is partly due to the failure of generosity. So it's related to what I think we were just exploring. And again, in the, uh, in the monastic context, to be a monk or nun, you actually can't even receive your daily food without receiving it from others. And so the Buddha set up a whole system which was based on deep uh, relationship with others that even to get the basic staples of life, one needed to depend on others. Um, No refrigerators, even in the present time. (laughs) Right? You couldn't actually keep food. You had to receive it from others daily. That's the setup which has existed for 2,600 years. Interesting, right? Really with generosity right at the, the foundation. And so we can see that generosity in a way goes against Greed. It goes against the the tendencies. And I was thinking again of uh, a while ago, uh, my friend and colleague Diana Winston and I, we taught a class, which I sometimes talk about, which was called uh, Greed Management. And we, uh, we offered this class, and very, very few people were interested. We had five people for the class, two teachers. And we, uh, but what we did was we explored the nature of greed and it was really interesting that we found that when there is greed, there is self-centeredness. My needs matter, other people's needs don't matter. There's often lack of a sense of consequences and so forth. And so part of the practice really of working with generosity is to look at one's intentions. Look at one's intentions more, both when there's greed. So part of the practice, when we look to the, how do you practice generosity? 
partly it's to look for what's there when generosity isn't present. To explore greed, it was really interesting. I had never explored greed in so much depth. You know, and I think I've sometimes mentioned that uh, uh, we had a final exam for our greed class in which we we went to a newly opened Bed Bath & Beyond store and did silent walking meditation for 30 minutes and invited people to watch their minds, right? And you know, I was, I was finding I was developing strong wanting for needs that prior to entering the store, I didn't even know I had. That's what, you know, which, which were needs actually in retrospect I didn't need, <laughs> so to speak. So, so how do we practice generosity? Um, a few ways to do it. Looking at motivation and intention is a key way. See what we can look when we notice ourselves being the opposite of generous. What's there? What's going on in the mind? What's the thinking? What's the process? This is where we bring in mindfulness. This is where we want to look carefully. Um, we can set an intention to be generous. One way to practice might be to say, I want to have three generous acts every day or five. And you get to decide what's a generous act. You might want to do that in the next week. Have a generous act. And it could, it could be very, very small. It could be calling up someone who's not well. It could be offering your empathy or compassion to someone who is in a difficult place. It could be material, right? In the, in the ancient text, there were many kinds of generosity listed. You know, it's, one of them is material, but it's actually in the ancient tradition it was said that the greatest form of generosity is to pass on the teachings about freedom and liberation, right? But it can be, generosity can occur in many ways. Sometimes we think it's primarily material, but it can occur through listening, empathy, compassion. Um, I often do a generosity practice when I'm driving. Sometimes this is more advanced practice, but, you know, someone really wants to go right in front of me. Oh, please. Really important for you. You know, so you can offer generosity practice. Some of the uh, hard places for my generosity are in driving and also sometimes with telemarketers. <laughs> so you can find, find where you can practice generosity, but you can really, um, you, can, you can do one generous deed a day, three or five, and take that. Wake up in the morning with the intention for generosity. That's some ways to practice. Another way might be to um, carry food around and give it to people in need. You know, if you're walking on the street with the incredible homelessness issue that is so uh, unresolved, you know, for us in in the broader Bay Area, probably in Toronto as well, right? <laughs> Do you have those issues there, or or people who came from a distance? Yeah, and so you might you might bring food, or you might decide to bring uh, you might decide to bring. Um, a certain amount of money and just give it away. A practice which I do is that when I have a generous intention, I always follow up on it. I don't second guess the generous intention. It's an interesting practice, right? Because one finds oneself, oh, let me give that. And then, are you sure? (laughs) Right? So that's an interesting practice. I just just, uh, mentioned that. You know, they've, they've done studies where they gave people um, like $50. And they gave people $50 and they did, a, they did like a control group. Uh, they were asked just to keep the money and spend it on themselves. And then the, another group, they were supposed to give the money away. And then they did tests. I don't, I don't know exactly how they measure it. They did tests for a kind of happiness and found, they found the people who gave the money away we're much happier by certain measures, right? That there can be a certain um, um, spirit that comes from feeling that generosity. I know that for myself, uh, being in this teacher role, um, 
until a few years ago, everything in my role used to be based on dana and generosity. So I would teach a retreat and I don't get a stipend, but people offer out of their hearts what they want. We used to have that format for here, for the Wednesday gathering, for the first, you know, 27 years or so of it. And for different reasons, it switched to a, a fee, a more a fee-based approach, which I have, you know, I, I miss the old system, but still probably 80 or 90% of my own personal income comes from people offering. And then I'm also, I go to retreats and I offer, so it's more of a sense of that cycle of generosity, right? That is actually probably closer to the truth. We are receiving, we are offering. You know, again, that, that link between generosity and gratitude. So those, those can be some ways to take generosity as a practice. And again, many of us have types of work where there's generosity built into it, where we're really offering kindness and help and support. How many of you are in forms of work where that's the case? You know, we're really, in many ways, uh, helping. And you might actually try to see, see if you can have, feel that sense of generosity in your work. Maybe tune into it at the beginning. It's not, not, not a big or dramatic thing, but just to say, to feel, oh, what does it feel like to give? So a lot of this is really developing more of the sense of interbeing, of interconnection, and having that be more of the reality that we live in rather than what is there with a lot of our conditioning, which is to be, you know, I'm here and others are there and so forth. And that can even be there in the, in the, when one is acting generously, you know, a sense of I am giving. And so, but the, the, point, the pointers are towards more that sense of interconnection where I'm receiving, I'm giving, I'm more in that, that flow. You know? And one can even, we can even help our institutions be more, turn into more cultures of generosity. You know, some meditation centers are run, run exclusively on generosity, like the East Bay Meditation Center, where I sometimes teach, or the um, center in Redwood City, the Insight Meditation Center there. And there can be more of that sense of all is a flow of giving. I think that's where, we're, that's where we're going with this, have that more be a sense. And how can we do that in our culture more broadly, right? Not easy, right? <laughs> This is, uh, I'll, I'll end uh, the section on generosity. This is from the Buddha. What is the treasure of generosity? Here a practitioner with one's awareness cleansed of the stain of stinginess, living at home, freely generous, open-handed, delight, delighting in being magnanimous, responsive to request, delighting in the distribution of alms. This is called the treasure of generosity. Okay. And gratitude's related. Again, we, we, the main suggestion is that we have gratitude because we have received something and that there is a natural sense of gratitude. I mentioned that this can be seen as going against the, uh, that negativity bias. Does anyone have the negativity bias? Anyone tend, here tend to focus on the negative at times? I'm sorry to focus on the negative in asking that question. So, but I think, I think it, let's have a true raising of hands. How many have a negative? Okay. And so uh, gratitude is a beautiful counter to that, that I, I, know, I know I have that fairly strong, you know, just being trained to look at the problem, look for the problem and find it. And when we cultivate gratitude, we go against that conditioning. We cultivate the capacity to tune into what's beautiful, what's helpful, and it can be a wonderful, it's a wonderful, simple practice, right? And it's not overlooking what's difficult or negative, but it, in some ways it's, it's finding a balance and it's uh, developing the capacity when something wonderful is there to take it in and to feel it and to have some time with it, to be able to uh, be grateful. 
there's a, a well-known native, uh, really it's sometimes called the Thanksgiving Address, which comes out of the Iroquois, and uh, sometimes taken to be related to the, the holiday of Thanksgiving, but very much similar to the Buddhist tradition, in the Iroquois tradition, it is said that the words of gratitude are the words that, this is a, trans, this is a quotation, the words that come before all else. One must have gratitude. And this gratitude in, the, in this Thanksgiving address, one gives gratitude for the plants, the animals, the land, the people, what one has received. And this is taken to be foundational. This, this is from the beginning of that address. With one mind, we turn to honor and thank all the food plants we harvest from the garden since the beginning of time. The grain, the vegetables, beans, and berries have helped the people survive. Many other living things draw strength from them too. We gather all the plants together as one and send them a greeting of thanks. And the Thanksgiving address does that with further categories. Maybe you can bring that into whatever you do tomorrow, right? Can there really be that, that quality of thanksgiving? And so we could see what are the different parts of my life I'm grateful for, you know? Grateful for being alive, grateful for the land, maybe the land here at Spirit Rock, which is so much a part of being here grateful for what I have received that's been wonderful from my uh, ancestors. Also noticing that there's some shadow stuff. (laughs) Some of us may have to uh, tomorrow navigate some challenging family situations. I won't ask for a show of hands. (laughs) Uh, But but what what am I grateful for that's really uh, positive? Grateful for my health, for receiving teachings. You know, what we can practice here wasn't possible in this culture 50 years ago. It's amazing teachings and practices that are there. You know, I traveled, uh, um, before the Soviet Union ended, I traveled to the Soviet Union. I met people who had been put in jail and mental institutions for practicing meditation and yoga in the former Soviet Union, right? So, you know, the the degree of freedom which we have here, again, there there are issues, of course, but we can be grateful for this. We can be grateful for for the beauty. And and so we can cultivate, in a moment I'll talk about other ways to cultivate gratitude, there's, there's really interesting scientific research about gratitude. It actually is really good for you. So this is an, another reason to practice gratitude. Um, one of the main researchers on gratitude says, if gratitude were a drug, it would be the world's best-selling product with a health, health maintenance indication for every major organ system. Want to hear? So the research has shown that gratitude has measurable effects on mood neurotransmitters, reproductive hormones, social bonding hormones, cognitive and pleasure-related neurotransmitters, inflammatory and immune systems, stress hormones, cardiac and EEG rhythms, blood pressure, and blood sugar. They've done research. Actually, they've done research just where people did, you know, maybe, um, you know, like 10 or 15 minutes of gratitude practice a day. When they did the research, they found, again, they had, I think they had a, a group that uh, didn't do any, anything like that, a control group, and then a group that practiced gratitude every day for five weeks. And they found after five weeks when they measured uh, that people were more likely uh, to uh, exercise. They reported an average of exercise, 1.5 hours more exercise a week if you did gratitude practice. <laughs> also, fewer health complaints and 25% happier. 
I won't go into the, the measurements and so forth, but isn't that interesting? Again, it, I think it's related to how we counteract the negativity bias, right? You know, because the negativity bias can be connected with what? Um, having negative beliefs, negative scenarios take one over, right? That happens with depression. That happens with when we get into uh, difficult moods and so forth. We're often, we often let negative storylines just take us over, right? That's, and, and so gratitude and so forth can really play a role in that, to, to counter that. So how to practice gratitude? Um, we can develop it by, again, uh, simply reflecting on what we're grateful for every day. I did this practice once, uh, 10 minutes a day for about two years. And even now I, I do, I have a kind of a repetition of practices that I do four times a day for maybe two minutes. It's kind of like recalling my intentions, but gratitude is part of that. So I do it four times a day. So you can just bring to mind what you're grateful for. One 10 minute period, a few times a day. You can do it in a few ways. You can bring to mind, uh, maybe have a list of what you're grateful for. Have Write down a list of five things for 10 things and just reflect on them. Or you can just bring... Uh, just say, what am I grateful for right now? And do that three times a day. That'll make a difference. You know, so we're not talking about very much time, right? You can, you can work with it in that way. You could actually, with people close to you, you could offer appreciation. Not often done. You know, do that in your work, workplace. What would that be like? to offer appreciation. I know sometimes when I've been in groups and we offer appreciation for each other, it totally changes the mood of the place. You discover that someone who's never spoken much to you really likes you, really appreciates certain things. We can also, and this is powerful, we can also bring gratitude even for what's difficult. Right? When we, when we practice gratitude to a certain level, we can even have gratitude for what's difficult. This is from uh, this is from the great Sufi poet Hafiz. I had to seek the physician. The physician is a kind of a name for the teacher. I had to seek the physician because of the pain this world caused me. I could not believe what happened when I got there. I found my teacher. Before I left, the teacher said, "Up for a little homework yet?" Okay, well then thank all the people who have caused you pain. They helped you to come to me. That's advanced gratitude practice. Can you be grateful for even some of the difficult things in your life? Sometimes we can after the fact, right? How many of you can relate to that? Think, think of a time that there was something really difficult. How much what, did you learn something, right? How much can there be gratitude in the middle of a difficult experience? Not so easy, right? Right? How much can there how much can that be the case? This is a this is a poem called Listen from W.S. Merwin, which was written over thirty years ago. With the night falling, we are saying thank you. We are stepping Stopping on the bridge to bow from the railings, we are running out of the grass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water looking out in different directions. Back from a series of hospitals, back from a mugging. After funerals, we are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, whether or not we knew knew them, we are saying thank you. In a culture up to its chin in shame, living in the stench it has chosen, we are saying thank you. Over telephones, we are saying thank you in doorways to the backs of cars and in elevators, remembering wars and the police at the back door and the beatings on stairs, we are saying thank you. In the banks that use us, we are saying thank you. With the crooks in office, with the rich and fashionable unchanged, we go on saying thank you, thank you. With the animals dying around us, with our lost feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forest falling faster than the minutes, 
of our lives, we are saying thank you with the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us like the earth, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. We are saying thank you and waving, dark though it is. Can there be gratitude even when we're looking at difficult things? You know, even when we're, you know, looking at the state of the world, you know, the different crises. You know, I, I think of my work with uh, Joanna Macy. How many of you know her work? Yeah, Joanna, uh, a treasure. She's 90 years old. And when jo- Joanna does her work, which is really to, to help um, develop inner resilience and group connections to respond to current crises, you know, of all sorts, but particularly ecological and the inner process that she works with starts with developing a strong sense of gratitude in one's life. Like gratitude becomes a resource that helps one to be with pain. You know, it's like the gratitude and a lot of our other heart practices like compassion and joy, being with beauty, really crucial if we're to be with the difficulties of our current times. So gratitude practice can help you know, with one's personal relations. It can also help us to, be, uh, to have a lot of resources for responding to the great needs of our time. Really crucial practice. And so really um, vital for our time. You know, I think of Joanna in that way. You know, vital for looking into the challenges vital for looking at the difficulties, vital if you want to look at the shadow side of uh, thanksgiving. Express gratitude and be aware of that, right? It's really, um, it was interesting to read a little bit about the history of thanksgiving. Maybe you could even bring it up tomorrow. Do you know, Do you know why the Plymouth uh, colony found a good place to uh, develop their colony? It was because the uh, Native Americans who lived there had all been wiped out in the plague by previous uh, settlers who came, right? And um, one of the few people who survived was uh, known now as Squanto. You remember that, Squanto? And he was a member of this tribe. It was the Patuxent tribe. And he, the reason he didn't die in the plague was that he was sold into slavery. But then he escaped and came back and helped the uh, pilgrims. So this, you might even bring up the history. Can, you, can we have gratitude and also go into what's difficult at the same time? Consider doing that tomorrow. Right? See whether that's skillful. Okay. So... I want to end with a note of gratitude um, of uh, one of my favorite books, um, which I'll end with. This is about gratitude practice. This is called St. Francis Preaches to the Birds. And um, this, this is, uh, was developed by the Bread and Puppet Theater from Vermont. Anyone know the Bread and Puppet Theater? A wonderful group. Uh, I lived in Vermont for a period of time, and they used to go to their gatherings. Uh, they they probably were at the origin uh, in the, a lot of their ceremonies they, at the end of it they would have this big you know figure like, and they would burn it it was like may have been where Burning Man got his inspiration I don't know but they would they would do that anyway this is coming back to gratitude this is St. Francis I'm, I'm going to read the entire book okay so you, you have your sack lunch okay no it's short Um, This is St. Francis. It's 5 a.m. Wake up, St. Francis. He opens the window and sings, tra-la-la. He brushes his teeth and says, thank you, teeth. He washes his toes and he says, thank you, toes. He gets milk. He drinks his coffee and says, thank you, coffee. Okay, so... I don't know if there was coffee when St. Francis lived, but here there is. (laughs) Okay, thank you, coffee. 
He goes through the town, through the apple orchard, over the pasture, and up the hill. And the birds come flying, 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 flying. Then St. Francis preaches to the birds until the sun sets. Yes, until the sun sets. Good night. (laughs) Okay, so I want to have a mix of the playful and the the difficult. And the main thing is that uh, generosity and gratitude can be um, amazing and simple practices. They can do amazing work on our own being. They can open us up to that greater sense of relationality and connection. They can be daily practices. They can um, have all those nine or 10 major health effects. And they can, I think, uh, probably even very important at our time, they can contribute to more of a culture of interconnection, which is so deeply needed. You know, and help us to be with what's difficult in our lives as well as what's to to go more into what's beautiful. So let me let me end further by just inviting you to reflect. Let me maybe just ask, how many of you would like to do a, a generosity or gratitude practice or both in the next week? Okay. So just take reflect for a moment. What would that look like for you? Does did one of the suggested forms of practice resonate with you? Maybe something you already do that you'll do more of? Just take a few moments to reflect. Is there anything different you would actually do tomorrow on the holiday we call Thanksgiving? So we have some time for any reflections or questions or spontaneous pre-Thanksgiving poems that may have just come through. And we'll wait for the microphone. Uh, Anyone question or something to share? Yeah. I just wanted to thank you for reminding us of the simplicity and the power yeah. of generosity and yeah. gratitude and how easily accessible it is. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, just really gratitude for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really simple to practice and you know, what would it be like if uh we all really focused on that? Yeah. Hi, I'm just curious if you know the reason why the Soviet Union um jailed and um meditators and yoga people I mean, what what would be the threat? What would be the threat? Um, yeah. Um, I guess it would be, I mean, everything would come down to a threat to central control, right? That's what we find in a somewhat analogous way in China with the Falun Gong right now. Very harsh repression of a group that primarily just wants to meditate. Um, so I think it was, you know, I, I don't know that I, that's, that's more speculation, but it was, uh, you know, they didn't want uh, something to spread that wasn't under their control. would be my, be my guess, but I, that's not based on reading or study. And it was interesting later, I, uh, 
later when the when Gorbachev was in charge, things really loosened, and I met a lot of people in the Soviet Union who went into the Tibetan culture region and actually studied with some of the people who had survived in those areas, and they learned from uh, Tibetan practitioners, and it, and it actually became very, very strong, has become fairly strong in the, in the uh, uh, in Russia and some of the other former uh, Soviet republics. Meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you talked about the practice of gratitude and all its benefits, yeah, I immediately immediately thought I want that. So um, I will go into <laughs> gratitude practice practice to have those benefits for yeah. myself. Um, and then I was wondering that that shouldn't be the you know the the motor the the <laughs> the motivation to yeah. do it <laughs> yeah so it um, feels conflicting can you say something yeah yeah uh so question of self-centered motivation for gratitude <laughs> uh, uh i would go with it um <laughs> uh, one thing that's interesting is that um When you stay more with it, sometimes motivation changes. And even for something like meditation, we may have more call them self-centered motivation. And I think when one stays with it, the motivation often changes. And generally, most of us, for a lot of the wonderful things we do, we may have mixed motivation, right? And I think that's okay, that if you stay with it, that it tends to get worked out. So you, if you stayed with the gratitude, um, that might not, after some time, be your primary motivation. And uh, But I think there's also a place for doing that which is beneficial for one's own, own health and being. I, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. So I think, by all means, full speed ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking about what you talked about um, where small communities... A little, little closer. Where small communities um, would, would wave at people as you drove by. Yeah, and, yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, that that's a, a generosity in the, a sense of uh, giving to people who may have... Uh, might just need a smile or... Yeah, just, yeah. Um, and I... I saw this film where somebody was really down and one person walked over and said, you look like you could need, you need a hug. Yeah. And the person said, how did you know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. So I think, you know, that we can give in just simple ways, just like smiling and saying yeah. good morning and acknowledging another person. Right. That's, that's beautiful. And, you know, a lot of our expressions of gratitude may even come just just by the way we are, not with even thinking that we're, that we're generous, right? Just by having, you know, I mean, a, lot of, a lot of the practices we do, like loving kindness practice or compassion, they in a way train us for these qualities to be more like the default way that we approach life, right? And we may not even think I'm generous or even I'm grateful, the qualities may just be there. And so, but I think, but but on the way to that, it can be really helpful to consciously just move in that direction. Then I think it becomes more natural. But to, you know, like, I don't know, I, what was coming to mind was that uh, YouTube video of the person who hugs everyone. I mean, that, that can probably be a little problematic in some instances, but, but, um, but, but the spirit maybe of just being kind, offering kindness in different ways to people, just in very simple ways, just the, just recognizing people, thinking of, you know, of connecting with people and so forth, right? And remember that it's a practice that we want to look, and this is true for generosity and gratitude, we, you know, in some of the more detailed accounts of these as practices, you want to keep on watching your mind, okay? I make an effort to be generous towards this person, 
and maybe it's rebuffed or a person doesn't accept my generosity and then do I get all, right? So it, it's, it's a practice that we, like loving kindness or compassion practice, everything's in the intention. And then we watch if it doesn't go like we want to, I have certain reactivity develop, right? Uh, here, I'm, I'm being generous to you. If you don't accept it, then I don't like you <laughs> or whatever. So it's interesting, right, to look in that direction too. Yeah, so, so you can see we're constantly watching what's there in our minds, right? Constantly looking for the thoughts and the motivations and so forth, yeah. I just wanted to tag on to that a little bit that um, I'm, <laughs> I'm very grateful for your talk today because culturally, generosity, oftentimes I, I tag on yeah. and monetary. And that's way I've been thinking about it and thinking, well, I'm generous, but then, so I, I'm very grateful for the talk. Yeah. Generosity is very broad and easy to do. Yeah, yeah, and to take that on as a practice and, and the, the material is, uh, generosity is a yeah. part of that, but it's, uh, yeah, it really doesn't need to be center stage. Yeah, it's more the spirit, isn't it? And we can bring that in, you know, tomorrow especially. Yeah. Any other reflections or questions? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually, I was, I had a trip and I went to eight different places. Mostly in the Southeast. I was teaching in Virginia, Kentucky, North Carolina, Georgia, also New York City, not in the Southeast. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, I was just gonna add to what he was saying before, because if you're feeling uh, more generous to yeah. yourself, I think your communication comes across in a much more mindful way, Yeah. whether it's through email at work or online. Yeah. So that's why it's really crucial too, to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, even to think, okay, uh, you know, with with every communication, I'll have a have a line which expresses generosity, right, or 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 gratitude, or to to bring that in in small ways to everyday communications, if that if that feels uh, workable. Yeah. Um, yeah. They get reactive. They'll too much to an email. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Yeah, that if we if we take this on, we'll 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 learn certain things. We'll learn, you know, that you know, it's it's a it's a skill like how to express gratitude and who you who you express it to and who it might not be a great idea. But a lot of room for experimentation. Please, yeah. I was just going to add that I really appreciated when you said recognizing when you have a generous intention and yeah. following through in that. Yeah. I think a lot of this stuff is a choice. Yeah. And starting just from our own minds, but not bringing that out into the world is kind of a loss. And yeah. I feel that all the time myself where I'm like, I think of something I'd like to do for somebody and then immediately start looking for reasons why I shouldn't or why they wouldn't appreciate it or, or why I'm busy. Yeah. 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 No, it's a, that's a great reflection. It can be, it's a powerful practice because I, I definitely notice myself at times having this intention and then second-guessing it, but then I say, haven't I made a vow to stay with it? Okay. And I've never regretted it, actually. I've never regretted following through. It's interesting, right? I was yeah. also going to add, I think it can be very difficult, just as difficult to receive gratitude as it is yeah. to give it. And yeah. we, when people say thank you to us, we often say, we, we don't say you're welcome. Yeah. Um, or we don't take a moment to acknowledge that what we've just done was something generous. And we, it's sort of uncomfortable in that moment. So recognizing when someone's offering you gratitude and actually receiving it. That's a, that's a great, great point, great addition to our discussion. And even could be... Uh, uh, take the form of a suggestion. If you receive gratitude, just stop for a moment and feel what's there. That's, that's really helpful. Uh, feel what's there and feel 
maybe there's discomfort or maybe it feels socially awkward or just see what's there, right? And try to, uh, you know, try to see what it feels like because it's really about being in that web of interconnection. That's, again, where all of this is pointing to have more of that sense. Yeah, thank you. Okay, time for one more if we have one. up on his comment and and I wonder whatever happened to when you say thank you to somebody they yeah. respond thank you it's no longer appropriate to say you're welcome yeah so it all um, I don't know how that came about what does anybody know why we don't say you're welcome anymore I pr- probably some people do yeah. <laughs> but it, it's odd. yeah yeah um was probably in that moment there's probably not that taking in maybe it's there's some social awkwardness that's I don't know I'm speculating but there it it certainly kind of short circuits the taking it in doesn't it yeah and or we would say someone says thank you for that oh no it was nothing (laughs) interesting right so there's a chance to look into all these little micro moments in our experience when we explore this territory. Okay. Okay. The uh, almost ultimate one. This is the ultimate. Um, the penultimate. Loved, uh, the, that book, I thought it was very... A little closer. The St. Francis. St. Francis. Example. And using examples of generosity. Yeah. And emulating them. Yeah. I'm now reading another hugely thick book on J.S. Bach. I'm a musician, and musicians forever and ever are trying to emulate it. Yeah. He was a great, great musician. Who is this again? J.S. Bach. Oh, Bach, yeah. And um, his secret is very much related to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he was grateful for everything. He, yeah. he even wrote a coffee cantata. Well, because he loved coffee. So he wrote coffee cantata. And and every time he composed something, he asked God to give it to him. Yeah. And then he thanked God, and he wrote something every day. It's beautiful. To produce every. It was his job. Yeah. And and he he lived that. Gratitude. Yeah, I think there's a long. It's in the music. Yeah. That's that's what people sometimes miss because they're, you know, into lauding. Yeah. And yet not really examining what how he did do it, and he did it by the. Yeah, and it it led me to think about. I had a quotation here which I didn't read, from Thomas Merton, Catholic contemplative, and it really points to I think in the Christian tradition. There's a very strong uh, and central way of practicing, which is basically to come out of praise and gratitude, often directed towards God or towards the creation. And uh, Merton, in the quote from Merton that I didn't read, he said, this is the center of everything that we do here. As, that's as a contemplative monk. Everything I do all day long it comes out of gratitude and praise. And I think Bach, I think, would, would fit very much in that. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's come back again just for a moment, a quiet moment at the end. Come back to that intention for your own generosity and gratitude practice. You can amend it by any further reflections that have come up. How do you want to keep this going, follow through? In particular... Anything for, in particular, for tomorrow?
So in closing, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for your kind attention and for our, our exploration together of uh, generosity and gratitude. And may we offer the, the benefits. This is really a closing practice at often called the dedication of merit. May we offer the benefits from the morning to ourselves, to others, ultimately to all beings, knowing that all beings includes us. So thank you and enjoy your generosity and gratitude practice. And come back with accounts next week. Bill, could we turn the recording off? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.